All right, welcome back in another edition of the Damn Podcast. Brandon Sprague, 1080, the fan, Angie Machado, beaverblitz.com. Coming off of the drubbing against Arizona, 44-7. to Before we begin, I want to give a quick shout-out to Scott Santana, Farmers Insurance in Kaiser, Oregon. You can find him at 5605 Inland Shores Way, north, 10, uh, north and uh, the suite is 102 Kaiser, Oregon, 503 503- 393-6771 is the best contact. Any insurance questions? Scott Santana Insurance. Angie, welcome into the damn podcast once hey, again. Hey, thanks. And and Scott is an awesome, awesome supporter of not only Beaver Blitz and our podcast, but just an awesome beaver. So give him a call. What have you been doing the last week? You know, I've been spending a lot of time on Beaver Blitz. Lots of good discussions. Um, fans are for the most part, pretty, they're not, I wouldn't say positive, but we haven't seen the complete total meltdowns like we saw last year. So uh, it's, it's been busy, but uh, the bees need to kick it in gear. Yeah, I'll say uh, from an Oregon State perspective, um, and we talked a lot about Arizona, Oregon State, and let me just come out right now and say it, I clearly am an idiot. And thank God you didn't take out your whole 401k and, and bet on it like <laughs> I, you know, I was telling you to do. Just don't listen to anything Machado says. From you, now on, I mean, I, I jinxed Tim Cook. I yeah. probably jinxed the Beavers. So from now on, the Beavers lose every game. There. Do done. you know You know what I did win money on? What? I won money on Baylor minus 42. There you go. I just had a feeling Kansas was the worst football team known to man like in, <laughs> in football history. And I felt very good about that bet, despite it being a six-touchdown margin. And they covered, and it wasn't even close. Nice. I don't bet. I, I just can't do it. But I, I do throw my money away at, at certain coffee establishments that charge way too much for uh, for drinks. See, I and I, I agree with you. Like, I am, I think I might be the cheapest person I know personally. I am so nervous when I lay coin down, but there is something to challenging and saying, oh, you know what? I think I know how this game's going to go. And I, I, I'm glad, I'm glad you mentioned that because you're right. I'm glad I did not put coin down on Oregon State. Yes. Ten and a half. That was the line when I looked at it. It finished at eight. So people actually put money down on Oregon State. A lot of people, if it bet down to eight. And I'm so glad I didn't because I did not see that ass kicking coming. I did not either. I mean, in all sides of the ball, complete failures. I don't even know where you start if you look at that game. I don't either. I mean, it was offensively, they still couldn't get anything going. Defensively, I mean, we're lined up in the wrong spots. They they lacked gap integrity. It was, uh, I mean, kind of a disaster from the get-go. You know, I look at it, too. Like, defensively, they gave up way too many big plays. I, I, I had a bad feeling from the get-go when a new Solomon comes back, and you're wondering, is this going to be some rust factor there? And then you watch him play, and the first drive, the way they just move that ball, the second, they're just moving with ease, and you're like, oh, no, oh, my gosh. Like, this might not be a great day for Oregon State. But I'll go with this one. I was a little more surprised with the offense. And I know that might sound crazy because defensively, they've been one of these programs that ultimately, you know, or one of these teams, I should say, defensively, where they're top four or five in the conference defensively. They show these signs of life. I was just so shocked that against the second worst defense in the conference in rushing and passing, what Oregon State was not able to do. Oh, it completely. They, I mean, they failed. They scored one touchdown. It became a, a joke, too, that I was with uh, several uh, Beaver Blitz members. We were watching the game, and it was it was becoming a joke offensively that it was third down, and 
you know, everybody was sitting there laughing, saying, well, maybe they should just give the ball back to the other team. And then when Arizona had third down, it was almost a given that they would convert a big play and, and get the first down. Yeah, it's just, you looked at what the game plan was for Dave, for Dave Baldwin in Oregon State, and we talked about it, it kind of felt like they'd, they'd let the reins loose with Seth Collins, and maybe that was a good thing because of his performance uh, for the most part against Stanford, but it almost felt like the reverse, where maybe he should have reined him in a lot sooner and figured out that maybe he's not going to have a great day today, because he didn't. He played absolutely terrible. He took another big hit, and of course, he ended up coming out of the game because he took a hit, and it kind of leaves you wondering what their offensive identity is, because for one week against Stanford, even though they lost by double digits, it felt like you kind of got a feel, and now I have no idea who they are offensively. Exactly. I mean, we talked about that in the podcast after the Stanford game, how, I mean, I think Beaver fan in general was, excited you know they come away from the Stanford loss yeah it was a loss but there was so much especially in that first half to be excited um you know the offense clicked they scored points the defense was able to hold a very powerful and tough Stanford team in in that first half at least and I think there was some optimism and then to come out and not be able to move the ball against a you know pretty crappy defense and then you know what really got to me was they came off a bye this was, you know, that say what you will about Coach Riley, but his teams after buys typically played really, really strong. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that what that part of it, I think, is on the coaches. I looked at the record uh, of teams that, and I, I didn't count the last games of the year. So I took all the games since 2012 that teams have played Stanford, and okay. I, I wanted to see what they were like the week after. Now, Oregon State obviously had played Stanford previous, but they got the buy. So Arizona goes against Stanford, and so I looked at the records minus the last games of the year against Stanford. So you got eight conference games, essentially, not nine. And the record for teams against Stanford the week after they play was 10-13. and 13. Wow. Sub-500 in this conference with these teams. When they face Stanford the next week, the record is 10-13. and 13. And when I found that stat, that is what kind of bought me into Oregon State potentially getting a road win or being a lot closer than what the final score was. I just thought, man, even though a new Solomon's coming back, this defense isn't very good. Going against Stanford, there's that physicality factor that, you know, they punch you in the mouth, they wear you down, they kill the clock. They lost 55 to 17 against Stanford. And so maybe I'm the idiot, but there I just I felt like there were a lot of reasons to buy into Oregon State and Tucson. Well, and then we had the offensive coordinator come on, you know, on Wednesday of last week and tell the media that you know that the team he told his offense that that light that they see is not a locomotive anymore coming at them it's the light at the end of the tunnel that things were clicking yeah yeah they but then again on a a young team you expect some of that and hopefully now that they they can bounce back from this see and i saw the light at the end of the tunnel comment too and i that was another reason i probably bought in when i shouldn't have was i just felt okay dave baldwin's watching this group uh, even though the media doesn't get to see much, you got to take the guy for his word. Well, and, and the staff is so brutally honest yes, all the time. Exactly. I mean, there really hasn't been much sugarcoating. They've been pretty much straight up honest with all their comments. So you take him for for his straight up face value there. And uh, yeah, I would say that was locomotive coming at them. Yeah, and, and and I think you heard it from Gary Anderson on Monday with the comments that he had about his team's performance. I pose this question. I'm curious what your thoughts are on this one, too, and listeners as well. Um, 
first game of the season that you can honestly look at the coaching staff and be very disappointed or is it still way too early in this process of where they're at with youth and experience and a new staff to really truly be disappointed with the coaches? I am not as disappointed in the coaching staff as it goes to it's a new system, new staff, new expectations, and you know, all along we've been saying there'll be like 12 to 13, maybe 15 in the signing class. I think recruiting ramps up in a big way, and I think we see a lot of a lot more player attrition this year than maybe expected at the beginning of the year. I think the uh, the horses aren't there in a lot of positions to uh, maybe do the things that Coach Sataki, Coach Baldwin, they want to get done. So I think. We, we see some, some guys moving on to places maybe where they can find some more playing time and open up some scholarships for uh, players that fit the system more. You also wonder, too, like, is this a – was it a snap back into reality for fans? Because, look, and I'm, I'm not pointing the finger at you, although I could. I could make fun of you a little bit. There were some people, though, that legitimately that I got tweets from, that I heard from on my radio show, that thought this team could win seven games this year. And I know, look, Part of doing a damn podcast, an Oregon State podcast, is, yeah, you root for Oregon State. You want to see them do well. You buy into what you're seeing. I think a lot of people, and I'll put myself in this category, I bought into this team that maybe they surpassed my expectation. I picked this team to win three games before the season. We broke down the schedule. I had six. Exactly. You had six. I'm wondering if that game was a snapback to reality of Arizona has garbage defense and they only scored seven points and lost, or if people still have that optimism that they can be there because of the coaching staff, and maybe they they upset a team that nobody expects. I think we still see somebody see them upset somebody. I, I think that's just the nature of a young team. But um, you know, this team has a long way to go before they're uh, they're there. But I can say from just my dealings with this coaching staff and and seeing what they've done in the past, if I'm a Beaver fan. I'm like 99% positive that this group will turn it around. This season? Oh, not this season. No, but in their their time in Corvallis. Give this team two years, or the staff two years, and uh, the Beavs will be looking a lot better. You know, Gary Anderson has never been one to shy away from uh, telling not only the media, but kind of telling the guys through the media how he feels and they've pointed the finger at themselves several times, as they did this past weekend for not having, quote-unquote, the guys ready. But his Monday press conference, I thought, was really eye-opening in this sense. He said, we at 70 spots on an airplane. We have no problem deciding to only take 65 guys to Pullman. Yeah. They have no problem telling kids, hey, you're going to stay behind. You're not playing well. You're not fitting into our system he also mentioned it's time to put on our big boy pants. Uh, college football is about throwing haymakers. You got to come out there and you got to be ready to fight. And that he's not ready to give up. That this season isn't shot to him, even if most people think it is. That if he if, if these kids want to compete, he's got to see the fight in him. He wants to see them come out swinging. I've loved what I've heard, despite what happened. I, I don't know how you don't love what you hear from Gary Anderson when he talks about the team. Oh, I completely love it. It's refreshing. It's it's great to hear. And I, you know, this is while we've heard a lot about you know them putting the blame on the staff. He's also making the players own up to it. I mean, we we see their tweets all the time about players make plays, players win games, players also lose games too. It's not just on the coaches. And I almost saw that this week as a challenge to these players. Like, look, if you don't want to be here, 
you know, get out of the way because we're going to do some big things. Mm-hmm. And that's where I, I see some, you know, potentially some more spots opening up for the 2016 recruiting class. See, when you say that, because um, you're more in touch with recruiting, obviously, and that's why we get a lot of people on the on the damn questions that want to know. But when you say that, like, are you saying essentially there are kids right now on this roster that you think ultimately are going to leave? I mean, I don't know what you mean by that. It's, yeah, yeah, definitely. They'll They'll look for places where they can get some more playing time. Is there anybody that sticks out to you, like a player that maybe you're surprised hasn't got playing time that might not not saying you have a connection to the kid and you know for sure, but you maybe get a sense maybe he is a little frustrated? No, but I, I think Coach Anderson is calling guys out, and uh, obviously defensively they're not real happy with what they're seeing. Um, when you hear Coach Sataki tell the media that he was standing finally in the fourth quarter and standing on the sidelines yelling out where he wanted his guys to be and go, he didn't even care if Arizona heard it. You know, that's a problem. If these kids can't pick up the playbook and can't figure out where they need to be, then, uh, and this is what, week five, week six, mm-hmm. and the staff's been here 10 months? Yeah. There are some issues there. And so those kids are either, um, you know, just not ready to play at this level, and maybe they need to look elsewhere. See, I wonder that too, because the, the pointing of defense, of like who you point the finger at, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't the line. It was for Gary Anderson and, and probably the linebackers. Stat, it was the linebackers. Yeah. Of just how disappointed he was and surprised of just how terrible they were. Well, how many times did you see guys get completely wide open and linebackers take completely the wrong assignment? It was it was not pretty. Now I am anxious to see this week how the Beavers can do, you know, it looks like they're gonna be kind of doing a base four two five. They need to get some pass rush on uh, Falk. Mm-hmm and get him disrupted some. So I'm anxious to see how that works. I'm just, I'm thinking of Oregon State too going forward, and I can't, I just couldn't believe, I couldn't believe what I'd seen because it did feel like there was a buildup of a lot of positive, a lot of positive notes built off Stanford. And then the bye week, which you mentioned of how are they going to do off the bye? You've got to feel great about their chances. I mean, Angie, it got so bad. I'll be honest with with listeners out there. It got so bad in that game. I maybe watched one minute, and I kid you not, one minute or less of the second half. Oh, we at the place I was at too. It was it was flipping back and forth then between the Washington State Oregon and Oregon State game. I just I couldn't believe what I was watching. I was like, yeah. I mean, I know, and th- this is the difficult part, and maybe this is almost a credit to the coaches, but it got to a point where I was getting mad. And I'm like, screw this, dude. I'm going to Oregon, Washington State's on soon, or there's other college. I'm going to go watch something else. And then I'm like, I had to tell myself as I'm mad, what are you mad about if you pick this team to win three games? Like at some point when you pick a team to win that kind of games, and maybe there's other people out there that had three or four games as well. Maybe I shouldn't be totally shocked that they got blown out against Arizona. Like I knew a a blowout would come, but I don't know. But you expected that blowout against like Arizona. Or not, I'm sorry, against like Stanford. Yeah. Michigan, I, USC, or yeah. UCLA. Yeah, maybe I'm the naive one. I, I don't I don't know where to come in with that opinion of I'm not mad at the coaches. I can't I just I can't believe that off off, off of a bye. That, that was the biggest thing for me. That's what you got. Yeah. You had an extra week to prepare. because uh, that's pl- the best you could do you played the stanford game friday so you actually got a you got one more day than a week to prepare for arizona who just got their butts destroyed and ran all over by stanford 
and you came out like that. I, I just, I, I couldn't believe it. I found myself getting frustrated, and I had to remind myself, if you pick them to win three games... <laughs> And they've already won two. And they've already won two. Like I legitimately, by my prediction, think they win one more game the rest of the year. If I had to pick which one, I'd probably pick Colorado. But it it's almost a testament to the coaches that I did get mad because it's like, man, I'm already in a I'm already in a mindset of expectation with a team yeah. that probably realistically shouldn't have it. Yeah, I, and I think a lot of Beaver fans were right there with you. Now I wonder going forward too with Washington State. If you get blown out or you lose by double digits to Washington State, like it's not that close, fans fans don't check out, right? Well, I don't think they check out quite this soon, but I, I bet that Colorado game is not too uh, too packed. You mean a seven thirty kick? Seven thirty kickoff. Oh man! Packed but that's program. you know a huge recruiting weekend. They're bringing in the five star wide receiver, yep. I and mean, the atmosphere could be great. So, um, and Colorado is definitely a winnable game. Yeah, but, I'm, I'm, and Washington State. I mean, we'll get to that after the damn questions and everything else. But yeah. talk, talk about a Jekyll and Hyde team. I mean, heck, right now they lose the opener to Portland State, but then they beat the Ducks. I'm, Portland State might be the best team in the state right now. Sitting <laughs> <laughs> at four and one. Yeah, that's a lot of people kind of have that uh, have that mindset. Are they they lost a game? I thought I had them. At, I thought they were at four and one. I think they're five and zero. Oh. Are they five and zero? Oh? I think they're undefeated right now. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm nice. the moron on this one. But well, like I said, I, I I say that in jest that they they're the best team in the state. But you know, it leaves something to be desired when when. But talk about a Jekyll and Hyde team. Washington State is all over the board. They absolutely are. You know, the other thing too from that Arizona game before we we kind of move on because I know a lot of people don't want to. They, they don't want to focus. Yeah, they don't want to rehash on a game that ends in forty-four to seven. Uh, offensively, I think it's time to start wondering what's the use. What? How do you use Seth Collins properly? Like, can you figure out the way to not only have him hurt a team with his legs, but trust him enough with his arm? Because his game against Arizona was uh, the the best word I can think of, and it doesn't even fit. Is putrid, uh, yeah. embarrassing. There were moments where he'd run, and he obviously had that one play where he got hit, and he got up, and he kind of wobbled off for a little bit, and he was out. He eventually came back. But I think it's time to start wondering how you use Seth Collins, what's the best way to use Seth Collins, or was it a one-game hiccup? I See, my, my biggest thing with Seth, and I, I obviously he didn't progress, but he had been progressing each week. By the way, Portland State did lose to North Dakota, 17-19. Okay, so there you go. Yeah. There was the win, the loss. But um, – the thing is, right now, teams are going to load the box because they know Seth wants to run. They need to figure out a way to get the ball in the receiver's hands. And I, I, he's missing wide-open receivers. I mean, I've seen some film where guys are standing, you know, waving their arms around. And he, I don't know if it's just that he misses them or he's wanting to run it so bad that, uh, you know, he takes off. But until Oregon State can establish some type of a passing game, it's going to be really rough going. Is there a conversation on BeaverBlitz.com about him? The, oh, there's been a conversation. Poor Seth has had conversations about him like, every week since he started. What was the narrative after Arizona? That he's missing wide-open receivers and that he needs to, uh, you know, take a either quicker, better look downfield before he just takes off and runs. Um, and then there's, you know, there's the... the it's all Everybody always loves the backup quarterback. So then you have the the, the group that thinks they need to see some Marcus McMarion or Nick Mitchell. Mm-hmm. So um, it's all over the board, but 
you know, that's that's why my son will not be a quarterback. I do not want my kid to be a quarterback. Because <laughs> of all the backlash? Well, the kid, you know, they never, they're either the hero or they're the goat. Yeah. So, you know, it's good or bad, but they, there's never any in-between. And they have a bad throw and all the armchair quarterbacks out there then have to hash out everything. So, But I do, he needs to see the field a little better. See, I wonder too, because you always hear it like, when people talk about great quarterbacks, and and I know I'm jumping the shark a little bit on this one, but like the NFL, for example, the one thing you always hear is like, how quick is the release? How quick is the ball exactly. out? Like, think Tom Brady against the the Bills. It was like 1.8 seconds on average, the snap, and then the ball is out of his hands. I'm wondering if Seth is kind of struggling with that a little bit. Of he he might he might know the the route trees, but I don't know if he has an idea in his mind. Okay, this is my first. And if that's not there, I have a second. Because most college quarterbacks, say what you want about like NFL, most college kids don't have the patience or vision to go past a second a, a, a second option, like their yeah. second read. Like we can complain about wide open guys on the third or fourth read, but it's college football. You can't name me more than like ten guys that get to their third read, and in the whole sport of all the, the quarterbacks eligible. Oh, yeah, and, and it's easy for us because we're watching it on TV or in the stands, and you're saying your press box, you're like, like guy's wide open, but yeah. We don't have people running to uh, attack us either. So yeah, and you got to remember, he's like six two. He's standing behind a bunch of six four, six five guys. Those D linemen are six five, six six sometimes, putting their arms up. So it, it's not easy. But I do wonder if he suffers from not making decisions quick enough. Where yeah. if he doesn't make that first read and get it out as soon as he can, or dump it and get to the second read as fast as he can, uh, he kind of gets in trouble and he gets dancing and he gets happy feet and he takes off. I, I just I'm I'm gonna be curious to see what the plan of attack is with him uh, Saturday against Washington State. And and you gotta remember he's a year removed from high school where he was able to I mean he was one of the best athletes on the field if not the best athlete where he could just take off and run and pick up big chunks of yards. He can't do that now, so um, it's gonna be interesting to see how he can what the coaches do for him to get the ball out quicker. What do you think of the run game? abysmal but you know against washington state i hope they can run i mean oregon was i think they averaged they had 410 yards rushing against washington state eight point something yards per carry so um you know stormwoods better be ready ryan nall um let's see some some run game because it's going to be tough when when teams are loading up the box to stop the run it's not it's not easy sledding for them so um you know oregon state needs to I, I hate to say I have more balance because they've been very balanced. They just haven't been real successful with the passing game, which in turn makes the the run game not as successful. So, um, but against Washington State, if they can run the ball strong, mm-hmm. it, it'll be a, it'll bode well for them. Oregon State was seventh in rushing in the conference going into Arizona at 188. They're still seventh, so they didn't lose their place, but they slipped seven yards uh, a game. They're 181 now. And see, they just gave up way too many big plays to. Uh, oh, you're, we're talking uh, defense right now. So, um, the offensively, yeah, they to see Storm Woods out there. He he had a couple nice runs, but uh, Ryan Nall, we saw some of him. But it's going to be interesting to see how they can get that game going. They just need to complement each other better. Like exactly, a defense giving up those kind of plays that quickly, easy scoring, and then the offense goes out there and does a quick three and out. It's like neither one of them are helping each other. No, no, that's just it. The defense is getting tired, and then the offense doesn't help them out. 
It's the chicken and the egg, and that's another discussion we've had on Beaver Blitz. Is it, is it the offense that, or the defense so bad, or is it the defense is bad because the offense is bad? I would, I would for sure lean more the defense is bad because the offense is bad. They've been outscored this season, a hundred and forty nine to ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. Oregon State hasn't even hit the hundo mark yet in scores. No, no, they haven't. Like we're almost halfway through the season. You can say what you want about the defense, and I, w- I was just as disappointed as everybody else. Like, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, I'm sitting on my couch, lazy in my sweatpants, pumped, and I was like, really? That that's seven points. That's what you got. Like that's what you were doing. It's. I don't know. I it, it's I know it's a chicken and the egg thing for a lot of people, and some people might go defense, some people go offense. But your defense needs time to rest. You got to help them out. You got to kill clock. You got to give them that opportunity. And I just feel like offensively they don't. Oh, they they've had no consistency, zero. So here's a better question for you then. Okay. I guess to kind of play off of that one, where would you say though is where is it more reprehensible? Is the offense more in a position to dominate and do better, or is the defense set up to do better? Because if you pick one, and like which one's been more disappointing? I guess I should say to put it easier. Well, I expected the offense to struggle just with the with the new quarterback and, and new system, but the defense had a lot of new people as well. So um, I think the offense, I think the defense should be easier to fix. But they also don't have the depth. They don't have a, a great depth to, to rotate guys in. That's one of their other issues. So yeah. um, the offense just needs to string together a few first downs and uh, instead of these three and outs. Yeah, the D, uh, the defense has struggled. Um, it's, it's, it's just frustrating. The depth is going to kill this team, and that's ultimately why I didn't have them winning very many games. And again, you go back to last week's podcast, and I, I think we named it a bad time to start drinking because based off the Arizona students, which I still stand by that. The, it's not yeah, like the place no. was rocking. It was, there were some empty pockets in that stadium. It didn't feel like it was as loud. And I still stand by those statements, but ultimately they just played like crap. Um, if you go back and listen to that podcast, though, it's, it's funny to hear what we said and what we're saying right now. You know, of, of, uh, Oh, man, I think Oregon State, 10 and a half, that's a lot of points. I think they're going to be in contention. They're going to be right there. And a week later, we're sitting here scratching our heads going, what the hell's going on with both sides of the ball? I know, I know, isn't it? It's, but it really comes down to the same issues each week. I mean, it's, it's, they shoot themselves in the foot by not sustaining drives, by it's defense not containing, you know, wrapping up and making tackles. It's, it's the same thing, and that has to drive the coaches completely batty. Got to drive the fans crazy, too. And drive the fans crazy. Okay, I am. You know what? I am so done talking Arizona. Right, let's get some damn questions. You got any damn qu- I got some damn questions. I got some, too. Okay, awesome. You want to go first? Yeah, I'll, I'll throw one at you. We got some recruiting ones real quick. Uh, any insights? This one's from at Matthew. Oh, my God. It's one of those last names you say wrong every time, and you feel terrible about it. I'm going to say Chowfoni. Okay. See if see if see I hope I'm. I'm sorry, man. I, if I said that wrong, I'm an He's idiot. Remember Beaver Blitz. Okay. Uh, he says, any insights into JUCO recruits? Beavers are hitting JUCOs hard, and I'm going to say a, a kid's name wrong too. But he's out at Victor Valley, defensive end that really like. Um, his last name is Subtle, and uh, S U B T Y L, and uh, he. I love the look of him on film. Really good, strong candidate. Um, 
I think that I think Oregon State's going to have to start looking at some JUCOs a little harder. Remember, they do have Michael Johnson already committed and ready to come on board. Um, he's he's a strong, you know, safety linebacker type guy. But um, the Beavers are looking a little more closely now at some JUCOs to uh, come in and help make an immediate impact. I agree with everything Angie just said because she knows way more on that topic than me. <laughs> uh, we got one more from uh, Stephen C underscore twenty four. Wondering what are the chances the Beavs signing Tyreek Tisdale out of Florida? So Tyreek Tisdale visited us several weeks ago, the, the last home game, and went home. We talked to him on Sunday night when he returned home right after he got off the airplane and uh, loved his trip, said it was an, a wonderful trip. He was committed to Florida, but then in the meantime, last week, he decided to decommit. I think Oregon State's chances are great. Um, not saying he will be a beeve because he still wants to take a visit to West Virginia. But, um, you know, one thing we've seen a lot of is the current commits are doing a good job recruiting these young men. So, you know, Sherrod Thompson's on board now, Stephen, or, uh, Christian Wallace. There's some guys there that are going to be helping, you know, do as much as they can to bring Tyreek and some of these other guys on board. Uh, it's great to get like to steal some recruits and get kids to decommit and open it back up and give you a chance. But uh, I can't help but sit here in this little studio where we're doing this podcast and wonder why would you decommit from a Florida program team right now that's six and zero, rolling and playing way better than anybody thought in year one under McElwain and probably going nowhere but up. Yeah, no, and the kids from Florida, in state. But, yeah, I don't um, get that. I don't get. I don't get that one. I mean, you know, he coach, liked what he saw. And... Yeah, coach relationships are really big. Despite what people say, you always hear people say, "I hey, choose choose the school, not the coaches." It's like, well, these coaches are the only ones representing the school. It's exactly. impossible not to have that. But I, yeah, I don't know. Kudos to him. If he wants Oregon State over Florida, great. But I, I can't but wonder why. So here's one. This is completely a, a different topic, and we have not talked a little Stark after dark. So um, who do you see as the front runner for the best job in the country on paper, USC? And this is coming from Q Beaver at, uh, or at Beaver Blitz. So who's the best coaching candidate for USC? He said, hopefully it's not Anderson. If they were interested in Mike Riley, and Riley gets the Nebraska, and or I don't really know where he was going with that, but he <laughs> hopes it's not Anderson. Hmm. I don't think who it's... Do so you see as a front runner? Uh, I don't think Riley is one. I know a couple people think that because he was the coordinator there and, you know, under Robinson had a lot of success. Um, not Chip Kelly, not Brian Kelly. I'll say this one, and it's been one that's kind of been thrown out there, and the only reason I give it any legitimacy is because of the relationship that's gone on with the AD and everything that went in going into this year, and that's Kyle Whittingham at Utah. Uh, Kyle Whittingham at Utah is interesting because Utah, to me, is a, a better program right now, and he's built that up. But you remember, before the year started, there was a big tidal wave of he borderline might get fired because of the relationship with the AD and how weird that was. I still buy that that was a little bit of the reason Kalani Satake left. I know his relationship with Anderson's great, but it just kind of feels like that was a little bit of a mess. Maybe they've mended fences, and I'm off. But Kyle Whittingham, to me, is a good choice. Uh, I don't think you're going to get somebody like Pat Fitzgerald, but Art Bryles might be another good name where he's in Waco, Texas. Do you want to live in Waco your whole life, or do you want to go to Los Angeles? Uh, it's going to be interesting to watch uh, USC in their head coaching vacancy. Yeah, I agree. It, I wouldn't want to – you know, if I was a top coach, though, Pat Hayden scares me. He's fired – he fired O'Neal in basketball, and now um, Sark – and uh, oh, what was the Tennessee guy? Uh, Kiffin. Wayne Kiff, or, or uh, 
Kiffin. Kiffin. Fired all of those guys midseason. And he didn't uh, he didn't retain Orgeron, even though a lot of kids exactly. liked him. You think about this too. They're playing uh, Notre Dame. Um, Brian Kelly. Every time he's gone to shake a coach's hand at midfield, playing USC in his career at Notre Dame, four different guys have shaken his hand. There is no consistency at USC right now. And this is the what? thing I've been saying. I don't. Maybe you disagree with this, Angie. I've been saying this on the radio show. We obviously know that there are big-time programs that always stand out in college football, and USC is probably in there. But I did some research. USC had one double-digit win season from 1980 until 2002 when Pete Carroll finally broke through and they won 11 games. Oh, no, they were one. bad. I mean, there was, there was some—I I grew up an SC fan— and, oh, there was some, you know, the Paul Hackett years. Oh, my gosh. Ouch. It was bad. It was, yeah, not, not pretty. Um, do, you, do, you think, do you think college football has kind of gone the way of hoops a little bit in the sense of I know Bama will always be intriguing, um, USC, Ohio State. I know these, like Texas, I know those schools will always be there. But it also feels like there are guys at some of these other programs that have built these programs up to the point TCU, Baylor dominate Texas, Kingsbury seems to be doing well at Tech. Like there are these guys at these other schools that they can build them up into contenders and they get the the same amount of funding. It's not like Phil Knight, for example, might be the richest guy in all of college football that's tied to football, <laughs> but his facilities are just as good as Ohio State's and Michigan's because they have a combination of bo- uh, boosters who come in and they chip in whatever they can to get facilities. I almost feel like college football is starting to slowly make wave in the same sense of basketball where guys will stay at their programs because they've built them up and there's no reason to leave. There's no re- exactly. No, it's exactly right. And, you know, I mean, there was, you know, as far as Anderson, you know, QB basket Anderson, that, that won't happen. I, I've talked to too many people very close to, uh, to Coach Anderson, he doesn't like big cities. He doesn't like the, you know, hustle, bustle, you know, claustrophobic to him to be something like that. So yeah. don't, I wouldn't worry about that. But here's OSU Fred asks if he thought, or if we think that Sataki might get a mention at USC. No, zero chance. I don't either. Um, if he's going to get a mention, it's going to be his D coordinator, not as a coach, yeah. not as a head coach. Uh I wonder about Kalani Sitaki um, because I like what he does, and if they finish the, finish out the year like top five defensively in this conference, I think that's like defensive coach of the year candidacy type situations. And you wonder like what schools are going to entice him. I'm, there's not going to be a big time school that wants him because he's still too young. But is a little school going to be able to pry him away, or is he going to be there for a while and do this thing with Anderson, build this thing up, and when you build it up. I mean, we've seen other coordinators. If you get to a point where you're competing and you're borderline Pac-12 champion-type level stuff, I mean, they get to that, that's when the major programs start looking your way. But maybe he thinks he has to go the route of going to a Hawaii or a small school, and if you win there, obviously you build more and more credibility. But I don't know what kind of things Kalani Sataki's looking at in his in his career. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I wonder, I, too, is... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I, I, I do think, though, that he would be intrigued by a head coaching job. I just, he's not ready. I don't, well, like you said, if, if Oregon State finishes as a top five defense, mm-hmm. then schools are going to come looking. But after what we saw, after what we saw Saturday, or Saturday no worry about that yet. I, I also, too, I didn't get to mention this about SC. Uh, we joke a lot about, like, Sark is, you know, Sark, seven wins Sark or Sark's Latin for seven and five. 
I don't think this is a time to joke about no. somebody. I think most people are aware of that, but uh, it, it really, you break it down, it's incredibly sad. Like, Lamar Odom's going through the same thing in hoops, but, like, this guy was the O coordinator for dominant SC teams. He wants to take the job, but he knows it's a crappy situation, so he goes to UW. He was even quoted to an L.A. journalist of saying uh, it just wasn't the right time for SC. Goes to UW, takes a 0-12 and team, brings him back up to a 7-8 win type program, flirting with nine wins. Goes back to the place he loved the most in SC to take it over despite what people do and make fun of him for. And he loses it after one year to addiction. Yeah. Like it, it is incredibly sad to watch people go through this. I've had this in my life where uh, I, I, I didn't grow up with my real father, but my mom got married. I had a stepfather. I didn't have him very often in my life. He was addicted to all kinds of crap, mainly alcohol and got himself in prison all the time. Uh, and then I have a, I have another family member that has, he struggles legitimately with addiction, has to live in a halfway house doing great right now, which is always fantastic. But there's always that worry of what sets you down back on that path. And I, I think Sark is, 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 is as much fun. We make fun of him. Like this is really one of the sadder stories that's been out there. Oh, completely. And you know, whether it was, you know, there's lots of things out there and, just the pressure being placed upon someone. And, you know, I know he's going through a divorce and lots of things, personal things going on with his life. Mm -hmm. And the pressure then that comes not only with being a D1 football coach, but also at USC where you are under a microscope for everything. You know, I just wish him the best in whatever issues he's dealing with. And uh, hopefully he can uh, get himself back on the right, right track. Yeah. Yeah. You got another question? Um, yes. How about, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, flags. It's actually, actually, uh, EBS 15 has a, it's a long question, but I'm going to kind of tidy it up here. What, we're only, you know, two and a half weeks into Pac-12 season, but have you seen any noticeable improvement slash changes in the officiating? Mm. And piggybacking onto that, what calls would you like to see called more or less? Well, I will say this. I, I don't. It's tough to speak for the whole season because uh, obviously I don't watch every single game. But uh, the Arizona refing was atrocious. Yeah, what was up with all the throwing flags and picking them up they and calling them off? They were picking up and... every freaking flag that they threw. Whether it was Oregon State or Arizona didn't matter to me. They kept picking yeah. up every flag they threw. And no. then and then the, the fumble overturns, like both sides kind of Yeah, got, both sides. Arizona to me clearly stripped. That kicker stripped Guyton. And then... Uh, I forgot who fumbled for Arizona. Oh, I think it was uh, Wilson. Like I thought Wilson fumbled as well, and they like they overturned him. Turned it's like it. when you yeah. rule it a fumble, you can only overturn it with with um, with conclusive evidence. evidence. Yes, yep. you need to word it that way. And I thought the replays were so bang bang that it's like unless you clearly and you definitively can see it, you can't overturn it. Now, if it's called not a fumble. And you go to review it, same thing. You can't overturn it because it's too bang-bang. I thought that ref job was absolutely terrible in what they were calling. And this year, no. Do I notice a difference? Of the games that I've seen, I, I don't notice a difference whatsoever in officiating. I haven't either. And But then what I'd like to see called less, and I agree with Ebbs here, Ebbs 15, um, I'd like to see less holding calls. If it, I, and I say that now, there's holding basically in every. You could call a holding penalty. Now let's stop calling penalty holding penalties when it doesn't play any part of the play. 
you know, when they call a holding penalty back on the line when the play took place on the other side of the field, mm-hmm. it has no outcome on that that play. But yeah, that's just me. Well, it's it's to flip it though a little bit. I mean. Everybody doesn't like holding until you play the Ducks, right? Exactly. No, you're right. <laughs> it, you don't like holding calls called until they're not called on for you, and then it's, yeah. it's atrocious. So. I have noticed, by the way, that team down south. They have been getting more holding calls. Yeah, when things yeah. when things aren't rolling as much and they're not in the spotlight, and it's not, oh, I love this Mariota kid. When their eyes aren't glued to watching him play football, it feels like the refs are noticing more and more holding calls. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Okay, let me see. Do you have any more for me? I don't have any more. Um, I only I only asked one time, and you know sometimes with these things on Twitter, it's like you never know. If people are at work, and you just miss it. So it's like if you don't do it more than once, you know maybe people just didn't see it. I have one here from Jump Drive, and uh, Brandon and I have talked about this actually. Um, he asked if we would um, be willing to try to get Todd Stansberry on the podcast, and that is something that we are working on. I know Beaver Nation would love to know more about. You know, where we're at with the Valley Football Center project, the west side of the stadium, basketball locker rooms. Um, we will be working on that, and rest assured we will do everything in our power to get uh, Todd Stansbury on the damn podcast. Uh, I won't say much else other than uh, you just said there, and I think you said it perfectly. We got on iTunes, didn't we? We do have it on iTunes. It just takes us a while. No, I was going to say we got on yeah. iTunes. Yes. Right? It took us a while, but we got on iTunes. There's my confidence level for Stansberry. We got on yes. iTunes. We'll get Stansberry. Just be patient. Be patient. Yes. And so we'll... that's it. That's what I've got. Okay, there we go. Good damn questions this week. Thank you guys for all the participation and listening. Uh, we did fantastic. We got great numbers on our SoundCloud page, and I added those with what we did on iTunes. And uh, it was it was his best week that we've ever had. So you guys are fantastic. Uh, we appreciate everybody that subscribed and listen to our iTunes. Uh, can you can you five-star our stuff? If you're listening on iTunes, you have a rated. Can we get some three or four or five stars here? Can we get rated, please? I know a lot of people are listening, but we want some ratings. Cool, yes. I, see, I don't, I'm totally not familiar with any of this stuff. So. Oh, are you an Android person? No, I just don't do podcasts. Oh, you're one of those people. I'm one of those people. You're one of those old curmudgeon people. I am an old curmudgeon. <laughs> we all know this. We know this about Machado. She is an old curmudgeon. Oh, my goodness. Did you watch uh, Do you watch baseball at all? Some. Did you watch not yesterday's uh, Toronto game? I did not. <sighs> I did not. How can I have see? a conversation about bat flipping with you if you didn't watch it? watch it i know i see i'm an old curmudgeon baseball to me is just kind of boring to watch boring yeah baseball can be boring but i will say this baseball postseason baseball is as exciting as any other sports post no I, I i agree and i just haven't really had a chance i had to i had to run to the airport and pick up husband yesterday and yeah, yeah stuck in traffic it was it was a fun evening in I, the machado house oh i bet it was we were recording this it's like 4 45 as i look at the clock on a uh, thursday afternoon or Thursday evening almost, uh, there's that uh, the Mets-Dodgers game's on tonight. You should try to catch some of that. Saints. Saints is on, too. we got to watch Brandon Cooks and Keenan Lewis. and Here's here's a real question for Connor you. Connor Hamlet. There's a whole ton of Beavers on that roster. Uh, Obum Guachem as well. Obum Guachem, yes. Um, do you watch the Saints-Falcons, and I know they have the, the Oregon State connection, or do you watch UCLA-Stanford? Um, I will be probably watching UCLA-Stanford because but that's then, more... More in tune to what I need to do. See, I just actually figured this out, and I'm kind of the idiot for thinking about it too late. USA, uh, UCLA Stanford isn't until 7:30. The or the New Orleans game is going to be at like five. 
Okay, so see, I'll watch part of it see, there, I, and I'll flip between them. By the way, a good bet for people out there, you're probably going to be too late to make it, but Falcons minus four, I would for sure lay that on the Falcons. New Orleans sucks. Look at this. We are, I mean, this is like, you think you guys get your betting advice from Brandon? We talk beer sometimes. <laughs> it's just, it's all over the place on the damn podcast. We, um, I'm setting up to, I'm trying to get things figured out. I do these bar appearances for the fan and they send me to some obscure bar and I just go out there and I raffle crap away. Like, uh, we give away like a beer refrigerator that you can stock beer with at your house. Like cool prizes. Nice. You know? And, uh, I'm trying can to, can I figure- win one of those? Yeah, you can if you if you show up. Or to I'm, I'm not I'm not eligible because I'm on the damn podcast. No, you're eligible. You can do it. I, I would I would allow you to win. Okay. Um, but I'm trying to figure it out, and I'm looking at the Oregon State schedule. They've Colorado next at home. Uh, let me bring it up real quick. I just had. I hate that I'm not prepared in this sense. So they get Colorado at home, and then there's a home game into UCLA, and then there's one on Washington. Uh, I don't know if you're planning or there's some road games too at Cal. I'm trying to figure out a road game because I know, Angie, you go to all the home games. I'm trying to figure out a road game to have a bar where I do an appearance anyway. And then maybe we do like a damn podcast meetup rally where we watch Oregon State's road game. Give away some great prizes to some of the listeners of the damn podcast and uh, have a beer or two and just enjoy each other's company. Sounds like a plan. I am in. Got to schedule it though. Got to make sure we're free and... So, I mean, really, it's it's kind of down to, uh, what, Washington and... Uh, well, no, it doesn't have to be, because those are home games, and so I know okay. you, you go to the home games sometimes, I get, like, I'll get paid appearances to go to some of these things, and so I, like, am I going to go to Corvallis? I want to, but it's also money, so I go to some of these bar appearances. I want to do a road game. I think a road game would be fun, where people yeah, come in with the beaver gear, and we have a good time, so maybe... I just asked not Civil War, because then we'd have a lot of Duck fans, too, and... I, well, the Civil War is a Friday... And so mo- a lot of people might might not be working, but I'll, I'll already be down there. I think we're doing our radio show down there. Oh, okay. See, so yeah, let's do it. Let's set it up. We Beaver for sure, fans. yeah, we for sure got we'll to let get you on. know because it'd be really fun to uh, meet some of you guys. Yeah, it would be a lot of fun. I can't believe we're already at the halfway point of the season. I know, I know, but I think it's time maybe to talk about a little Washington State because I just read it's sold out. Homecoming up in Pullman. Wow. I know a ton of people, I, I, some friends of my neighbors heading up tomorrow, so um, they'll probably want to listen to the damn podcast on their way up there. There you um, go. Some other Beaver fans I've just seen on Twitter and Facebook are, are leaving now, tonight. They're heading up to uh, Pullman. But a sold-out homecoming game in the Palouse, coming off of a big win at Oregon. Did what? you watch that game? You're damn right I watched that game. <laughs> I couldn't believe that they they Oregon cooked it. Oregon did cook it, and the best you know. Okay, the best part for me was when Washington State scores, and Mike Leach has I don't know if you've seen it, but he had like this total just look, blank look on his face, and one of his assistants is jumping in front of him, holding up two fingers. Yeah, I saw. They, they kicked it, but it was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. I, I was I, I followed uh, a couple people media wise on Twitter, and they were like, "You have to go for two if you're Washington State. You gotta win this game." And I'm like. No. What the hell have you been watching? They just they just blew a ten point lead with four yeah. minutes to go. Washington State just tied it. Why would Washington State be the one that has to that has to panic right now and make a dumb decision? You play it out. You're better than Oregon right now. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. I can't believe what's happened to that program down south. But again, I'm, I shouldn't be too surprised when you lose Marcus Mariota and Chip oh, Kelly. Yeah. But Washington State. Yes. What are your first thoughts of Washington State? Yeah, I mean, like I said earlier in the podcast, it's a Jekyll and Hyde team. I mean, this is a team that loses to Portland State. I mean, that loss at the time was 
right up there with Oregon State losing to you know Sac State. I mean, it was it was ugly. I think in some people's minds it might have been it worse. Was worse, exactly. But their season's actually panning out. Sac State the year they beat Oregon State was actually not a very good team. Yes. So yeah, Portland State's looking decent now, but um, it's still it's you know it's a lower division. But then they go down and beat Oregon. I. Their offense is spectacular. I mean, they can put up points in a hurry. I want to see Oregon State get a pass rush on Falk. I, I'm wondering about his health completely. I, I think he kind of banged up a shoulder there against Oregon. But um, obviously he has a good arm. He has good receivers. Looking at Washington State starters, there's so many guys there that had Oregon State offers or had been committed to Oregon State who ended up now in Pullman. Mm-hmm. lot there riding on this game. You know, I, I think Washington State, I think he hit a lot of nails on the head on that point. Uh, I am, I'm not panicking. I am worried uh, as heck about Washington State. And I know they are a Jekyll and Hyde team, but this again, they probably should have beaten Cal at Cal. Mm-hmm. They gave that game away. And then you go to Eugene on the road. And this is a game, don't don't disregard what that game was. That was a gut check game for a lot of Duck fan that was looking at Oregon. And they still beat them in Eugene. Like that's a huge win for that program. And you mentioned any road win, you know, it doesn't matter who you're playing. Any road win is huge in this conference. You're absolutely right on that one. But now you look at them with the home game or at the homecoming game. I just, I don't know what to, uh, I don't know what you're going to get from the secondary of Oregon State where I've liked the corners. I think Deku, I think Scott, I I think uh, Chappelle, I think, I think they have played well. But you're looking at a Washington State team. They threw the ball 74 times last weekend. Gabe Marks is second right now in the conference in, in yards per game at 105. Just down the list, a couple people. Dom Williams, their senior wide receiver, he's got 25 receptions. He's getting 73 yards a game. I mean, you're looking at a, a Washington State team that will completely abandon the run because they're dead last in rushing offensively, and they'll just do whatever they want through the air. And I just don't air. know if Oregon State has what it takes defensively to stop that. I don't either. I don't know if they have the depth now, but Oregon State's pass defense is ranked number one in the conference right now. It'll be a it'll be a good matchup. I just worry. Do you really about believe that? No, I don't believe that. But that's where they are statistically. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you say, yeah, it could be a good matchup. Do you believe that? No, nah, I don't really believe that. <laughs> I just don't think Oregon State has the off the horses to stay fresh. I guess in the mm-hmm. secondary. You know, it's, the, it's going to be big. I mean, and then can the defensive line get any pressure on, and the linebackers, you know, can they get pressure on Falk? You know, the other thing, too, is that I feel like we're coming right back into the trap of look at Washington State's defense. They rank 11th in total defense in the conference. You know who was 11th last week? Yeah, yeah, I know who was 11th last week. You wow. told us that, like, a lot, and, and yeah. I kind of bought into that. You had me buying into I, that. I know. I, I know, and I, I feel like a moron, and I apologize for that. No, I just, I'm just i going with Beavers Lose. From now on, Beavers Lose. I, I, I'm not going to uh, jinx them any longer. Do you think it's a jinx? or, or I mean, I'm beginning to think so. I feel kind of bad. Well, legitimately, let, like, I mean, we just broke down offensively and defensively what they have. How does this game play out to you? I have Beavers losing by 10. I do think the offense scores some points. Hopefully they can get a run game going. If they can, then it might be a little closer than that because then it keeps, A, you've got to keep pace with Washington State because they will score. And, B, you've got to slow down the clock. And so Oregon State running the ball is going to be huge. I just don't know 
I don't know if they can do better than 24 points. I don't know if that if this team has it in them offensively to do better than what they did against Stanford. And Stanford's D is substantially better than Washington State's. But again, you're going on the road. Pullman's a weird place to play football. It it's, is. It's it's just so it's so unique. It's a lot like Corvallis, and it's tucked away. And but it's it's a little more extreme. Of I think they booze a little more. No offense to beer fan out there that loves to drink and loves to booze, but I think Washington. But that State is a one o'clock kick. So it goes back to you know they don't have all day to drink. And I'm gonna throw out my logic from last week, and I'm gonna go against that logic, and I'm gonna say it's Washington State. Oh, okay. And it doesn't matter? No, it does not matter. Not at the Palouse. <laughs> I, I hear you, though. Like, And I just, I, that's, I worry about them offensively of can they score more than 24, even though that defense is not good with Washington State. I don't know. And, and if you can't, that means you're not going, you're not going back and forth with Washington State because even if this defense gets pressure, Oregon had sacks, and that didn't seem to matter at all. They made plays when they needed to. They threw it th- 74 times. I just, I, again, I think it's going to be another chicken chicken, chicken or the egg thing. Offense isn't going to help their defense, and the defense isn't going to make stops for the offense. Yep. So I, what's your final score prediction? The spread's eight. So your Is prediction, eight? you have them, you have them covered. I, I think I said, I think I had, it was 31 to 21 is the prediction I gave the Wazoo Watch, the Rivals Washington State site. You also wonder, too, there's a part of me that says, you're right, Jekyll and Hyde team. Is this the game they come out and they're a little inconsistent and they don't do what we thought they would do? Washington State is what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go prediction. I'll go 37. 37 to 17. Okay. There I think go. they lose by 20. 20. And I know so, that that's not easy to hear because Washington State and – Coogan and all that, but I, I just th- I think Washington State could have beat Cal on the road. They just beat Oregon on the road. Um, they're slightly better. When you talk about the bottom teams in this conference, I, I don't I don't think Washington State is there. I think I think right now, honestly, I think it's Oregon State and Colorado by themselves. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, and even Washington, who I thought was going to be a train wreck this year, has come out and look look decent. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm starting to look at this. I get I get ahead of myself when I don't I shouldn't because this conference can be kind of kooky and you can't predict everything. It's not. And all I really like, thought Cal was going to be not very good either, and they've proved me wrong. I liked Cal going in. Uh, I still think defensively they struggle, but man, yeah, Cal, Washington, Oregon, UCLA, and Utah. I I, I said three wins before the year. They're at two. I think Washington State, Colorado, the rest of the season, those are their two best bets to get four wins, three yeah, wins. I agree. I agree. And the rest of the way, Washington is going to be playing for a bowl, um, a good bowl. When they play them the 21st, even though that's at home, they are great defensively. Um, and so I buy into the Huskies. You're not outscoring Cal. Cal might be a game I, I might not watch two minutes of it because that, that could get really ugly. <laughs> it could be ugly. Utah on Halloween. Are you oh, that's, kidding that's me? that's going to be ugly. Yeah. yeah. Th- those kids or that coaching staff going in there to what those kids are playing against. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They already have that marked off as their blackout game. And yes. Yeah. It's the... What do they call it? The must. It's going to be, um, yeah. yeah. And it's going to be a mess. UCLA, me and you, I think, both predicted an upset there. I... I don't see it now. <laughs> UCLA has too much experience, and so it sounds doom and gloom. I know that. I don't. We don't mean for that to happen on the podcast, but I just have we a like hard to keep time. it real on the podcast. Yeah, too. but some people call it being a downer. I just call it being honest, and I think there was a lot you take away from that Arizona game. You can say what you want about performance and rebounding, and 
look, if they come out and they play well and they damn near, if not beat Washington State, then you're right. I'll change my opinion a little bit and say, well, this team kind of got up and they rallied. But I think ultimately I had this team as a three-win team. Some people, Angie had six. Some people had five or seven. I thought that was a real kind of snap into reality of who this team is to their core. There's no depth. They're inexperienced. And there's a lot of question marks at key positions for them. Quarterback, and you gotta remember, linebacker. This, this group was recruited to play a pro-style offense, for them, except for Seth, Seth Collins. It's a totally different ball of wax. And, You're right. And we've heard so much in the offseason about Coach Anderson talking about the strength of this team and needing, I mean, physical strength and getting stronger. Yeah. And um, I think that's something that we're seeing. He wants these guys to be big, tough, and physical. And Coach Riley was more in the finesse, you mm-hmm. know, speed and finesse. So. Yeah. Um, it's a totally different philosophy, and if I'm if Beaver fan listening, I'm I'm trying not to be doom and gloom because I think the future is exponentially bright. I, the staff I think can get things done. Um, in fact, I'm positive the staff can get things done. But this year, as some expected, Brandon called it. It could be a big, big downer year. Do we want to touch on Riley at all and what's going on in Lincoln? Ah, uh, nah. That was rough. Did you see that game? I saw the end. Yeah, I mean, I've seen the end of every one of their games. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that it's rough right now in Lincoln for for Riley and the staff. They um, two and three now. They are not going to win at least nine games for the first time since I want it. What was the number? Two thousand and eight. Yeah, it's it's. I know that there's been some. They've been breaking some pretty bad records. Records that you don't want to break. I think I know. I saw another one. Like this is the first time they've been two and three since like nineteen. I want to say fifty or sixty. Yeah, I, I was going to say it was like I was going to say it was like sixty years. I yeah. mean, it's it's tough sledding there in in uh, Lincoln. I know a lot. There are uh, you're always going to have your handful of people that get a chuckle out of that. I think that's mainly due to some media members driving down your throat that nobody is ever going to be better than Riley at Oregon State. Uh, and look, there's a media bias. There is. Don't kid yourself. People have relationships. It's just natural. It's like human instincts to have it. But I think if you take away the media aspect, I feel bad for a man. I, I really, really do. And I shouldn't call you a man, but I feel I feel really bad watching what's going on because I, I loved interacting with him. Maybe that's my bias is that I root for him because of his relationship with me, but I feel bad. I, I wouldn't wish what he's going through of wanting his one opportunity, his last opportunity to win at a major program. I wouldn't wish that on anybody for it to go the way it's gone thus far. No, no. And it, it's been interesting on Beaver Blitz. I mean, there still has been some conversations and, you know, that's everybody, I think just about everybody on the site, uh, you know, all the Beaver fans wish him well. But there is that bit of maybe validation in that the things that fans were seeing and when you see it, the same thing play out yep. at a different school, it's like, okay, we weren't just dreaming this. It's, you know. Yeah, because you feel like kind of the crazy of, and because you get people that say, oh, it's Oregon State, calm down. But then, yeah, yeah. like, is nobody else noticing clock management issues and that Mark Banker has not been able to coach defense since Chip Kelly came into uh, Reeser in 2008 as the offensive coordinator and completely undressed him that he hasn't been able to stop a up-tempo read option offense since 2008 has nobody noticed these things and so you know you have like that illinois game they just stopped running the ball and it was a 20 mile an hour wind and nasty weather and it went path happy all of a sudden and uh fans were going crazy i know and that was basically a home game for them the way they traveled yeah yeah 
but I agree. You know, it, it, Coach Riley and all the staff that he took with him. I mean, I think all Beaver fans, once a Beaver, always a Beaver. Those guys were great to work with. And, yep. um, you know, wish them the best. But uh, Oregon State now is Gary Anderson era, and I think it's exciting times for Beaver fans. I had somebody tweet me and go, do you think he can be fired? I don't think he can be fired, but I'm going to be curious to see if there's pressure put on him by Nebraska fan to make staff changes. He's a really loyal guy. Loyal guy. Loyal. Well, and, I mean, Nebraska fans want the AD gone. Yeah, I course, right? Yeah, yeah. Sheesh. It's it's just a mess. And if a new AD comes in with Riley, is Riley's sixty one years old, it kinda makes you it makes you do wonder how long is it gonna last if it doesn't get turned around there. But staff changes could be a big thing for them. He's a really loyal guy and almost to a fault to where he might not be willing to make that. So Yeah. Oh so and that just breaking here, twenty four seconds ago, Beaver Football just tweeted that they will be wearing orange lids, white jerseys, and orange pants. I there hate, you go. I, I hate the orange. I, I'll just I'll be the one to be the downer about that. I I don't like the orange helmets. I think they're ugly. I think you need to stick to just all black. I think those look legit. Um, You're on the road though, so would you wear all white? I hate the white helmets. I hate the hamster. Like I I still haven't gotten used to the hamster. Like <laughs> Brandon just you now now who's the old curmudgeon? Well, no, but like I, I hate the. Orange. I hate the white. I thought I was going to be one of the guys that like said, okay, I, I really don't like that. We'll see. And then like two years later, oh yeah, I don't really care. I still hate it. You don't think the white helmet looks ugly? It like They got right. a tiny beaver head on it. It just looks weird. I like the big beaver head on the orange helmet, though. It looks better. I, I think we see some tweaks. And from what I've been hearing, we are going to see some tweaks in the uniforms. I'd like to just see the black helmet. You know what I like? I like for the road, I like the black helmets, white tops, black pants. There you go. For 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 home, I'd like to see the black helmets, the orange tops, the black pants. I want to <laughs> see some I want to see some traditional Halloween crap. Like I want to yeah, see the school yeah. colors. I do like, yeah. Um yeah, this made me just totally cuz then I said I was thinking to myself, do you want to see some uh, Oregon Trail uniforms? Yes, I went there, but the best <laughs> tweet, social media tweet I saw all last week was um, Washington State Athletic Department tweeted out after the win. They had a little screenshot of the old Oregon Trail game that yeah. you died of dysentery. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Uh, don't get me started on those jerseys. I could go oh, on and on about that was those awful. jerseys. People thinking, oh, you buy it? You like duck? No, I don't. I hate. I thought that was the dumbest crap I've ever yeah. seen in my and, life. And uh, they keep changing their you know, their logo now. And the, You know what, Oregon? You need to get back to maybe traditional and winning before you, instead of switching things up every every two weeks. All right. Oregon State taking on uh, Washington State this weekend, looking to rebound. They are 2-3. and three. Uh, coming off of that 44-7 to loss. Sorry if we were kind of depressing you a little bit throughout this podcast, but hey, sometimes you got to be realistic. you got to keep the truth out there, and, and that's kind of just how we feel about everything. Angie has them losing by 10, although if she goes to another prediction, it's 7, so she still has them losing, and I, I have them losing by 20. I think it's going to be 37-17. Uh, to 17. I, But you know what? Hope springs eternal, and if they play well, this podcast next week will be a totally different tone again. You're right. We'll be completely flip-flopping our opinions. You got anything you want to pub? No, just come to Beaver Blitz. Check us out. Listen to uh, Brandon's radio show, Dirt and Sprague, 12 to 3. Well, then if you're not going to pub it, I will. Angie's going to be on uh, Talking Beeves next week on Comcast Sportsnet. 
There you go. We won't get that out before our next podcast, so I'll get it out right now. Uh, I will be doing a a hit on recruiting with Mike Parker. There you go. Uh, Just a tease for, I mean, we've talked about it before in the podcast, but recruiting, uh, the Beavers are hosting three official visitors as of right now on uh, the Colorado game, and they're the trio from Chandler High in Arizona. So Mason Moran, the quarterback commit, and he is bringing along running back four-star Chase Lucas and wide receiver five-star and Keel Harry. So uh, a big recruiting weekend there for Oregon State. And I have a feeling we're going to talk a lot more about that next weekend. We will be talking a lot more about that next weekend. That will be a huge driving point, uh, yeah, driving point in the damn podcast. Uh, Angie Machado, beaverblitz.com. I'm Brandon Sprague of 1080 The Fan. One more shout-out, Scott Santana, Santana Insurance. You can call him at 503-393-6771. Thanks again to Scott, and thank you guys for listening to The Damn Podcast. We'll be back next week.